So after the last few weeks of Lent, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments and how they gave a way of being, of living well together for the Israelites as they journeyed through the wilderness towards the Promised Land. Who could have known as we began this series of sermons that we might find ourselves living in wilderness-type times too by the time Easter Day arrived? The commandments were given to the Israelites in the midst of the desert after the escape from Egypt. Life was never going to be the same again. Everything had changed and was still changing. Their security had been pulled like a rug from under their feet. They didn't have the familiar routine of brick-making and building anymore. Food was very different and took ages to collect each day. It even went mouldy if you stored it for too long or gathered too much. You can read about that in Exodus 16. Families had nothing to do other than break camp, walk and then repitch their tents, each and every day. As we've studied them though, we've seen how the commandments would have helped family life be well lived, even in those tough times, keeping things on a reasonably even keel as God prepares the Israelites for the next part of their story of journeying with him. As we've journeyed through these six weeks of Lent, our lives have been turned upside down and inside out too. We had no idea that we would find ourselves in such dark days, days of wilderness almost, as we do. Our reading from John's Gospel today finds Mary Magdalene at the beginning of a dark and difficult day too. Everything is different, changed forever. The dark is almost touchable. She might just as well be all alone in the wilderness as this day begins. Two days before, her world had fallen apart. Her friend was gone, dead, hastily buried in a garden tomb before the Sabbath began. It was the darkest of Sabbaths. There was no real Sabbath rest at all, apart from for the one in the tomb. No joy, no delight, just tears, tears, tears and more tears for all those who had stood at the foot of the cross who, just a week before, had walked the tracks between Galilee and Jerusalem in heady days with so much excitement and new learning. Tears, tears, tears and more tears. Red-eyed, exhausted, Mary comes on that first day of the new week, darkness still shrouding its beginning. She approaches the tomb. What struggle is going on in her mind and her heart, her very gut, as she takes herself there? Surely she's just making the darkness darker as she goes to this sad and lonely place. The stone has gone. In this moment, something even darker has happened. Someone has stolen his body. How could they? She runs. She runs to Simon Peter and the other beloved disciple. Somehow her legs manage to carry her body in its desire to tell them, to share her darkness, to share her grief. And yet, in this moment, if she did but know it, actually Mary becomes the bringer of light. She becomes the apostle to the disciples, the one sent to tell them what she has seen. And she'll do it again in the next few verses of this Gospel. On hearing her words, the men run too. There's more running in these few verses than in the whole of the Gospel. They race, the younger one gets there first, still in darkness, still in grief. He doesn't go in but stoops down, looks in, the linen cloths. Simon Peter, whose world had also come crashing down on Friday afternoon, breathless, runs past him. Petulant, act before you think, Peter, dashes in, still in darkness, still in grief, just getting his head around the fact everything will go back to how it was. Suddenly sees with new eyes the wrappings, the wrappings from the body, his body. They're still here. 
Surely if you were going to steal a body, you wouldn't unwrap it first. That's a crazy idea, isn't it? Am I going crazy, really? The beloved disciple follows Peter into the dark tomb, but suddenly for him it's as if the light has been switched on. Verse 8, he saw and believed. He will remember this moment forever. Tom Wright, in his commentary on this passage, says this moment is a bit like faith. Oh, he'd had faith before. He had believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He had believed that God had sent him and that he was God's man for God's people and God's world. But this was different. He saw and believed. Believed that a new creation had begun. Believed that the world had turned the corner out of its long winter into spring at last. Believed that God had said yes to Jesus, to all that he had been and done. Believed that Jesus was alive again. Peter was talking about resurrection. The two men go home, or at least to where they were staying, lives beginning to move from darkness to light. Mary, however, stays at the tomb, crying. She's still in her dark place, in her place of grief. She longs to be in a place of light, but how can she be? Everything is different. I think Mary's story gives us permission to be in dark places, to struggle with things that we don't, can't or won't understand. She longs for the light, but her hope for it is gone. In the long hours of that Sabbath and the early moments of this new day, even in her running to and from the tomb and back again, she remains in the dark and, what's more, without any hope. She is hopeless. Not until her encounter with Jesus himself, the pretend gardener, does she find herself in the light. Hope and freedom become possibilities once more. No, more than that, they are realities now. Mary's experience helps us to see that we can inhabit our feelings, really inhabit them. She shows us that we can only realise that we are in the light if we have known what it is to have been in the darkness. At the moment, for many people around the world, life feels dark. When will this ever end? When will life be normal again? Perhaps these are questions in your mind right now, as we all endeavour to work together to stay safe by staying apart for the time being, as well as ensuring fair shares for all with shopping, etc. Then, with hope and trust, it will be over soon. This confining time will come to an end. But normal? Will we get back to normal? I don't think so. Why? Because normal will become new, just like it was on that new day for the disciples, as it was for Mary after her encounter with the risen Jesus in the garden. Everything will be new, just waiting to be discovered and lived. The new normal. I wonder what life will look like, what it will be like. What will we be like as God's people? Over these weeks and those that follow, we are being church and society too, actually, in new and different ways. I think we are listening, talking more, we are sharing more, we are telling our stories more. In her new normal, Mary did the same. She listened more and she talked more and there was an amazing consequence. Over the next few weeks, months and years, the small band of disciples grew into a larger group that grew into several groups that grew into church that spread across the world all because... Mary shared her story of what she had seen and heard, her encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. I wonder how the church might grow again as we do this too, as we tell our stories more of how our faith in the risen Jesus today is helping us in these dark days find the places of light. 
As we have seen, the Ten Commandments give us the blueprint to living life well, life as God always intended, worshipping him, following where he leads and caring for each other along the way, whoever we are. The risen Jesus gives us the reason to do this, not just the movement from dark times to light times, but more the possibility of eternal life with God, of remaining in the light forever, but not in the future. No, starting now. All the resurrection appearances are not about going to heaven when you die. In fact, there's very little in the whole New Testament about that. No, they are about being citizens of heaven now, about living the way God always intended us to live, with him all the time. Jesus is risen is the rallying cry to live this kind of life, to bring the life of heaven to earth as the Lord's Prayer encourages us. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. The risen Jesus is far more than a proof that God can perform miracles or that the Bible stories are true. He is far more than our Christian experience of knowing him. That's more Pentecost than Easter, perhaps. He is much more than the assurance of being in heaven after death. The risen Jesus is the beginning of God's new project, as Tom Wright puts it in his book, Surprised by Hope. Easter is the springboard for God's new creation being launched, the renewal and redemption of the world. Revelation 21 and 22 help us here, but this renewal and redemption is once and for all. Every act of love, everything done in the name of Christ and the power of the Spirit, every creative work, every justice ensured, every act that brings healing and peace, where families and communities are united, freedom won and temptation thwarted, is a signpost of hope in these dark times of the light that is coming into the world. So let's continue to be surprised by hope, the hope we find deep within ourselves, as we continue to care for each other and those around us in these difficult times. But let's also recognise that we are already walking in the light, the light of the risen Jesus. And like Mary, we are called to share that light with others so they may see to walk with the risen Jesus too. Then, when we can begin to create our new normal, let's ensure that we do not forget any of the things we have learnt in these tough times so that we can continue to help others learn to walk in hope and light too. Amen.